Alright, so in this video, we're going to have our first look at using control flow. Now, control flow is basically ways that allow us to execute different paths of our code or different code paths based on certain conditions. So, uh, Ruby has a few different ways of uh, setting up control flow. There's things like if statements and less statements. There's ternary operators. Uh, there's case statements. Uh, so in this video, we're going to explore all of those. And we've been working in IRB a lot to kind of familiarize ourselves with our basic uh, data types and structures. In this uh, video, we're going to switch gears a bit and write uh, our first Ruby program file. Well, our second Ruby program file. We initially wrote one in the uh, introduction to IRB and running Ruby programs uh, video. But in this one, uh, how we're going to learn about how to use control flow, we're going to utilize a Ruby program file. And then we will execute that program over on, in our terminal on the command line. So with that out of the way, uh, let's get started. All right, so the first thing I want to do is let's open up Visual Studio Code. And then I want to install um, some extensions here. So over on the left, we can click Extensions. And the first one I want to install is called Standard uh, Ruby, right here. Uh, what this will do is um, this will give us consistent formatting for our Ruby code. So especially later on when you start working with other developers and you know people put spaces some places where others don't, uh, some use parentheses, some don't, that sort of thing. This will auto format it for us so that we have consistent styling in our projects that uh, we are working on either by ourselves or with others um, so that we don't have to constantly, you know, request changes from folks to, you know, conform to a, the standard um, way of, of writing things. So this will handle that for us. It will, uh, I believe, automatically run it for us as we save our Ruby files. So this will be a great one. We'll click install right here and let that install. Okay, so now that we've got the standard Ruby um, extension installed the next one we're going to install is the Ruby extension so just this one right here we're going to click install on that it will say it's installing take some time install great now we're good to go so now let's go back over to our Explorer here and see what we're uh, let's talk about what we're going to uh, create here so I think a fun thing for us to uh, build right now would just be kind of a simple password manager for us. Um, this will allow us to learn about control flow and practice a lot of the things that we've been working with um, in the previous videos up to this point. So what I'm thinking is uh, we'll just get started very simply. Uh, we'll make a new file over here. So let's we can click this uh, button here for new file and it will open or prompt us to enter the file name. And you can name this file whatever you want. Um, you can get it creative with the name. I'm going to call it uh, none shall pass dot rb. And this is just a silly little name I thought of for a, uh, or I misspelled none here. I need to put an e at the end here. None shall pass. So uh, this is just, a, again, a silly little name I thought of for the password manager. Um, so yeah, so that's our, the name of our file. Again, you can name it whatever you want. It doesn't matter, just you'll have to use your name when you go to run the program uh, versus the name that I'm gonna use here if you choose to name it differently. So let's hit enter on that. Once we do, we get dropped into our file and we can start writing some Ruby code. Okay, so 
kind of what I'm thinking to start off is we need some way to um, log into our password manager, right? We need some some way to know that the person trying to get into this file and read c the contents of some of the things in it is the person who uh, owns the the file and the permissions to get to uh, you know these passwords has that that level of authorization. So the way we're going to do that is we're going to define two things at the top of this file known as constants. Now, constants in Ruby, we haven't talked about. We'll see constants and talk about them more through this section and through the Rails section of the learning path. But they look like uh, variables. And, but the difference you'll see is that uh, we're going to write them in all capital letters. Now, they don't have to be in all capital letters, but the first character definitely needs to be a capital uh, letter for it for Ruby to pick up on it as a constant. So for example, uh, the first one we're going to write here is called username. So I'm going to say username, oops, and then do some assignment here. And then inside of here, we need to um, maybe put a, a username or this could be email if you wanted it to be uh, an email constant, we could do that, we could say email. Uh, kind of whatever you want to do. I'll let you pick what you want to do here. I'll go with email for now. So now we want to say email and then the uh, credential that we want to be permitted for uh, the email for mocking out that we're logging into our password manager here. I'm just going to put um, a fake email in here for now. I'll put Colin at example.com. Okay. All right, so the next thing we want to do is probably set some sort of uh, password constant here. So let's say password. So uh, as the person setting this up, we, we can set our password and be able to log in to our program here. Uh, for password, uh, I like to, since I like to skateboard, I'm just going to say go skate. So let's save that off and let's look at the next steps. Let me uh, talk a little bit about constants in Ruby. So most other programming languages have concept, the concept of constants, and typically, once you do an assignment of those or to those constants, you're not supposed to change the value. And most programming language, languages will not allow you to change the values that the constants refer to or point to. Ruby, however, is different. In fact, in the in the fact that it will allow you to change the uh, what the constant refers to but it, it presents a warning to you. So we can uh, quickly hop into IRB and I can show you that. So back in, over in our terminal, let's hop into IRB real quick and let's uh, rewrite our email constant here. So I'll do Colin at example.com. Okay, and if we recall, if we uh, recall our email variable, if I can type or a constant, we see that we get back Colin at example.com. That's what's returned to us. If we try to reassign this, we'll see that Ruby will allow us to do so. Let's do uh, Chris at example.com. It allows us to do this, but we get two warnings. Warning already initialized, already initialized constant email and previous definition of email was here. So it's letting us know that, hey, you've already uh, declared or initialized this constant and there used to be something else that it pointed to, but now it's pointing at something different. And we can see that if we recall our email constant here, it now gives us back Chris. So it will allow us to change the value that it refers to, that the constant refers to, but it will give you warnings to it. So something to be aware of that you can change the value of a constant, even though it's um, 
it, the name is constant. It's not actually constant. It doesn't forbid you from changing the value. And also just to show um, that uh, constants don't have to be all capital letters, that's kind of a convention you'll see that most people uh, will make constants all capital letters with the exception of things like classes and modules, and we'll see that in the future. Classes and modules, most people tend to write them with first uh, single capital letter and then lowercase for everything else. But if we do this right here, uh, ASDF for example, so that's our password. If we recall it, we get ASDF back. Now if we try to uh, reassign this, we'll see that we get the same two warnings that we got before. So let's go the other way with this. So you see we get the same warnings and then password has been updated to FDSA. So just know that you can write these constants both ways and we'll see examples of, um, again, like how you know most people choose to write them, either all caps or just with the first letter capitalized as we progress through this uh, section of the learning path. And then also as you get into the rail section. So with this little uh, detour into the world of constants out of the way, let's hop back into our program file and think about what we wanna do next. So I think the first thing we want to do when we run our program is we'd like to be prompted in some sort of way. Okay, so maybe like welcome to the program um, and then maybe uh, we start to prompt them to enter their credentials in order to actually access the rest of our program. So let's first look at uh, just showing a prompt message. So we've seen this before. Um, we can use puts to output stuff to the terminal. So let's use puts here. Let's say puts, um, welcome to none shall pass. And then maybe say a password manager. Okay, so that's that. Let's go ahead and save that file. And now uh, let's see, let's run this program just to check it real quick and make sure that we're, uh, we have a working program here. So again, the way, the way to run that program is we call on the Ruby interpreter and we pass the program file that we want to uh, execute to it. So we'll say Ruby and then none shall pass.rb. If we hit enter on that, we see our hello message or our welcome message. Welcome to none shall pass, a password manager. So perfect, so, so far so good. Our program doesn't have any issues with running. So the next step I think would be to prompt the user to enter their email and password. So let's do that next. Okay, so maybe the next thing we can uh, say to our user is let's do another puts and say, please sign in to continue. And then we'll end that string. And then on the next line, we can say, uh, let's do a print this time. Let's say enter uh, email. Okay, and we'll uh, do a colon and then add a space there. So that this way, we're using print this time so that it appears on one line. So we'll see the enter email. And then when the user goes to type, it will be on the same line as that, um, that line prompting them to enter their email. So let's, let's go take a look at that real quick. Let's save this. And then let's go back to our terminal. And back over into our terminal here, I'm just going to clear it out. And then I'll recall the last thing that we ran, which was the... Uh, passing our program file to the Ruby interpreter. If we hit enter on this, then we see that we get the prompt. Um, welcome, so we still get our welcome message. Please sign in to continue. And then we get prompted to enter the email here. All right, so back in our program now, we need some way for 
uh, to get user input from the terminal back into our program. Now, this will be something new that we haven't seen yet, but Ruby offers us a way to do this via a method called gets. So gets will allow uh, our program to halt and wait for a user to enter some input when prompted in, in the terminal, for example, as we're being um, right now with our program to uh, enter an email. It will then allow the user to type, and when they hit enter, it will capture that input, and then we can use that in our program, uh, but we will need to save it to a variable here. So let's do that now. So what we can do is let's say, let's save this to a local variable called uh, user underscore email. And so we'll assign that to the value of the gets method here. So uh, let's just save our program right here and let's go back to our terminal and run this. So back in our terminal here, if we, whoops, uh, if we recall our last, uh, command and we hit enter here we see that we get our prompts uh, our welcomes and when we get prompted in our email and our program is just hanging here waiting for us to type something so if we do that and we hit enter here then we see our program finally exits out uh, but let's look at what happened there so let's go back to our program file and let's uh, let's use the uh, print command to print out the value that we are storing in the user email local variable here. So we'll say print user email, and then we'll save that. We will go back to our terminal. I'm gonna clear this out and we will rerun our program here. So we get prompted again, I'll just enter something and then hit enter. And then we see that we have saved off the value of ASDF to that local variable uh, for user email right here. But one thing I want to point out here is if we go back over here and we change this to use the p method uh, to print our output here. Let's go back now and rerun our program. Uh, if we do so and we enter something here and we see what is returned to us, we see more of the actual representation of what is saved to that local variable user underscore email. Now we see here that we have a new line character added, but we only typed ASDF. This new character uh, new line character was added when the user hits enter to in you know enter their uh, input to our program. So uh, if we try to like compare this value to the email that we are storing as like our you know main account email here, if we're trying to compare these two values, even if we typed in the right thing if, uh, instead of ASDF over on the terminal, if we typed uh .com over in our terminal and hit enter and we try to compare these two strings they're not going to be equal because the one coming from the terminal is going to have that extra new line character so we need a way to remove that from uh, any input that we get from the user and the way we can do that is by using the uh, trump method and we can call that on the result of the gets method here so i'll just say oops i'll say gets .trump. So that will go ahead and remove that new line character for us. And we can double check this uh, if we rerun our program here and we type ASDF, we see that that new line character is gone. Um, so yeah, so let's see, Colin, oops, at example.com. We see that there's no new line character in there as well. So that new line character from the user hitting uh, return or enter is being uh, chopped off from the end of our string, which is good. We want that. So let's look at uh, the next steps. So now that we have that out of the way, uh, let's get rid of this line here and think about our next steps. 
one thing we could do is we could ask the user next to enter their password. Um, but if they entered the wrong email uh, to begin with, maybe we ought to just short circuit things and let them know that they entered an invalid email and then exit our program. So <clears throat> this is where we're going to see our first conditional. So the most simplest form of conditional uh, is the if statement. Uh, it looks like this. So you write the keyword if. Now if is a one of many uh, reserved words in Ruby. You cannot use this word as a uh, local variable or a method or anything like that. It is reserved strictly for Ruby's usage. So we write if, and then uh, I'm just gonna write a comment here. Uh, some condition is true. And also this is how you write comments in Ruby. Uh, you start with a hash symbol and anything following that hash symbol will be considered a comment in Ruby. Um, so just know that and we'll see comments throughout the rest of uh, the course here, I'm sure. Uh, so if some conditional is true, then on the next line, what we want to do is execute some code, okay? And then you uh, end that with the end keyword. So this is your uh, basic conditional here is the if statement. Now you can have uh, several branches with this. The way we would do that is say this condition does, is not true right now, nothing would happen. This, our program would just exit. But if we wanted to handle the case where whatever condition we are setting up right here is false and we want to run some different code, what we can do is we can use uh, an else uh, clause. So inside of the if, in between the if and the end, we can say else right here. And then uh, inside, in between the else and the end, we would execute some other chunk of code, okay? So this is uh, a little bit, you know, this is the next step in from the basic if statement, just if by itself. So now we have two branches here that uh, are two code paths we can take in our, with our program here. So let's start filling this in. So the first thing we want to do is let's decide what this condition is here. So we want to check that the whatever the user supplied on the command line as their email matches the email that we've set up up here. So the way we would do that is we could say if user underscore email uh, is equal to email. Now this equal here is double equal signs. It's not a single equal, equal sign because a single, single equal sign would be considered assignment. And that is not what we want. We want comparison here. So we want to see if these two uh, compare when compared against each other are equal. So if they are equal, then we want to do one thing. If they are not, here's where we would want to um, tell them invalid email and then exit our program. So let's fill out this else clause here. So the first thing I'll do is I'll just get rid of this and then let's say uh, else. And let's do a little put statement here and just say invalid email. And then we can type exit here. And if we save that and then we go back to our terminal we can clear this out. Uh, we can run our program again. And now let's enter a fake email. Let's just say uh, blah at food.com. Now we see we get invalid email here, but now let's try where we entered the correct email. So we'll say Colin at example.com. Hit enter there and we don't see the invalid email message, but our program uh, falls through because we're not handling 
anything further from here. We have not filled in this section of the code to where, uh, as we just did, we entered the right email address. So this comparison returned true. We don't do anything inside the uh, the body here, this if statement in the or the if branch to handle the next steps. So this is where uh, we could now that they've entered the correct email, we could prompt them to enter their password. So let's just give that a go for now. Let's say um, print, uh, let's say enter password, and we'll do a colon and add a space there. And then again, we want to capture the input from the user, and we, we're gonna wanna store that into a local variable here. So let's say uh, user password equals, and then we wanna call that gets method, gets.chomp, so make sure that we remove the new line character. Okay, and let's uh, let's try this out now. So we go back to our terminal here and we clear this out. Let's rerun our program. And we'll say colon at example.com. Okay, now we get prompted for our password. Uh, we can enter whatever here. It doesn't matter because we're not handling the next steps here of checking if the um, password is a match. So let's do that next. So we could nest conditionals. We could then uh, now write another if statement inside of uh, this if statement here uh, but that gets a little bit messy uh, somewhat quickly when you start nesting conditionals so one thing we can do is um, this variable here um, is not going to f it's not out of scope being inside of uh, this if statement here and we'll talk more about scope in the future but we have access to it beyond these keywords of if, else, and end. So we can go into a new line here, and we can say if user password is equal to password, oops, password, then we can uh, set up another conditional here. So we could continue writing ifs, but let's use, um, let's look at another way to write this. So in addition to the if statement there's also the unless statement so let's let's see that next so in the case of using the, the unless we need to we're going to need to flip this comparison a little bit so we would use the start off with the unless keyword so unless and then we want to say unless user password is not equal to password now we do not equals with the exclamation point equals or bang equals this uh, oftentimes is referred to as a bang so we'll say bang equals, so unless username, user password is not equal to password, and then we'll just, let's just end this off for now and we can fill in the body of this conditional next. So unless we'll always run the code that is written inside of it, unless this condition returns uh, true. So unless the user supplied password is not equal to the main password up here, go ahead and run the code within the body of this conditional here. So maybe what we can do inside of here um, is since at this point, the user should have supplied the correct email and the correct password, we can say uh, puts, I don't know, maybe a, uh, or let's not do welcome, we already did a welcome here. Let's say hello, and then let's interpolate their uh, email perhaps. So let's just say hello user email and then uh, let's put a period here. And then on the next line, we could say maybe, uh, let's, let's start showing them some a menu of options they can select from. So let's first say, what would 
you like to do? Question mark. And then we can show them a list. Let's say puts one. Uh, maybe in the first case of the first selection, they want to add a new service to set up credentials for. So let's say add new service credentials. And then uh, as a second option, just for now, let's just do two. So let's say two um, retrieve. Uh, let's uh, re retrieve an existing services credentials. Okay, so perfect. Let's uh, let's save this. Let's go back to our terminal and try and run this program now and see what we get. So back over in our terminal, let's go ahead and run our program. Okay, so now it's asking us for our email. We'll say Colin at example dot com uh, password is go skate okay so now that we've entered the correct password we see that we get asked the question what would you like to do and then we get our menu list of options here uh, before we go further into setting up anything with the uh, making selections on the from the menu of options here uh, let's handle the case where we uh, the user might supply an incorrect password okay so back over here um, much like with our if statements, we can also add an else uh, inside the unless if we wanted to. Now, um, I would say that this is not typical. If you're going to use an else with an unless, you should probably go to using an if and flip this to be a more positive case, like we're doing here, where we're checking, you know, that it's like positive equality versus like not equal. Um, but just to show that it can be done and to show us an example of using the unless clause here, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to continue on with this. So let's add an else here. And then inside of here, we can say, uh, similar to how we did uh, right here, we can just say down here, let's say puts invalid password. And then let's go ahead and exit our program. Exit is also a keyword in Ruby. Uh, it will cause your program to terminate right there. And then at that point, no other code beyond this that could run would run. So with that, uh, let's save this and go back to our terminal here and clear this out and let's rerun this again. So let's put in the proper uh, email address here, Colin at example.com. And then password, let's put in the wrong password here. And now we see we get our invalid password message uh, shown back to us in our program exits. Uh, back over in our program, let's actually uh, come up here and give a third choice uh, to exit the program. Uh, so we'll do puts three exit like that. Perfect. Now uh, in here, we want to do similar to what we uh, did here and here. We want to call gets.chomp and wait for some input, you know, uh, a selection from the menu here. So let's say, um, let's make a local variable, call it user selection. And we'll set that equal to calling gits.chomp. Okay. So we'll get that selection. And now we can uh, start a new conditional. We'll see a third option for us for uh, writing conditionals called a case statement. So for a case statement, we start with the case keyword, which is just like this. And then we have to write something here that is uh, going to be an expression that will be evaluated. And the result of that expression being evaluated is going to be taken and used to check to match against different when clauses. 
uh, or win cases, uh, for example. So in our case, we want to be checking uh, the user selection uh, local variable. So that's going to hold either, uh, ideally, we want the user to type in one, two, or three. That's going to come into our program as a string. So uh, our case here is going to look at user selection, and then we write some win branches. So we'll say win, and then we can pass the string of one here, for example. And then uh, let's just say, um, puts uh, this will create a new service, for example, just as a placeholder for now. Uh, new service, or let's uh, this will create new service credentials. All right, and then when two, the string of two, we want to say, uh, let's just say for now, this will retrieve uh, existing credentials, just like this, if I can type. And then for the third case, we could say when string of three, uh, go ahead and, and puts exiting and exit our program, or we can kind of um, make a catch-all here for anything that is not either a one or two uh, selection from the user. So we could say, we could end this off with an else here and say, uh, exiting the program, goodbye. And then uh, we can go ahead and say exit here and then end off our case statement. So let's go ahead and hop over to our terminal and run this a few times. All right, so over in our terminal, let's go ahead and run our program. Let's log in correctly. We'll say colon at example.com. Password is go skate. Okay, so if we hit a one right here, we should see uh, the this will create a new service credentials. So that's good. Let's rerun it again. And with the same thing, let's go ahead and log in correctly. And then go skate. And we'll do two this time. And we'll see that... Uh, this will retrieve existing credentials, so this is good. So our case statement is working. It's evaluating, it's looking at what is uh, held in the, or what is referenced by the user selection uh, variable here, local variable. And uh, currently when we hit, you know, uh, one or two, that's coming in as, as a string to our gets method here. That's going to have a new line character at the end of it. We're chomping that off. So then we should only be left with the string of one or two. Sorry, I forgot a puts right here. So let's add a puts right here, save this, and go back and try this again here. I'll clear that out. So we're gonna run our program again. Uh, Colin at example.com, go skate. And then if we hit three right here, we see exiting the program. Now, if we don't hit anything, or we just hit uh, some random whatever uh, characters, uh, we should also uh, get exited, or we should also exit the program. So if I, if I type a bunch of gibberish right here and hit enter we get exiting the program alternatively uh, if we just hit enter on it and don't enter anything uh, we should get that same behavior here uh, go skate if i just hit enter exiting the program done so great so that's case statements um, and now let's look at uh, filling out these uh, case statements these win clauses or win branches with some code to actually gather the name of a new service and then prompt the user to enter credentials for that and how are we going to store that all right so back over in our program file here 
Uh, let's start thinking about this first case here uh, for when a user needs or wants to create a new service and assign credentials for that service. So think about something like Gmail, for example, where you want to store perhaps like the email address that you use for that and then uh, the password uh, used for that as well. So how, how are we going to store this uh, information here? So I'm thinking uh, what we should do here is we should make a new constant called something like, if we go to the top of the file here, um, called something like password vault. So we'll do password underscore vault. And then we're going to assign this to an empty hash for now. So right here um, is where we need to start handling uh, the prompts for allowing a user to give us the information for the new uh, credential that they want to insert into that hash. So to get started, let's simply say, uh, let's get rid of this line here and let's use a print statement that says, uh, enter the name of the service, for example. Enter the name of the service. Okay, so we'll do our normal uh, colon ending point and give it a space there. And now, uh, so that's going to prompt the user for some input as we've been doing time and time again. Uh, we want to use gets to be able to uh, wait for some input from the user and we want to chomp off, chomp off that new line character and we want to assign that result to some local variable here. So let's say, uh, let's make a new local variable called new service. Set that equal to the result of calling gets and then calling the chomp method on gets. Okay, so now that we've got the input from the user as far as the name of the service, uh, what we can do now is we can go grab our password vault. Remember that uh, points to an empty hash is what this constant uh, references now. Um, and then if we go back down here, here we are. So we can say password vault. And then what we can do is we can open up brackets and pass in new service right here. Okay, so as we did previously uh, in the video on hashes, we keyed into a, a hash with a symbol or a string. In this case, the uh, new service is coming in as a string. So then that's going to hold the name of the service um, that we want to st uh, store credentials for. So again, like I mentioned before, it could be Gmail, could be AWS, uh, any service. So we have the name of the service here. So we're going to set that as the top level key here. And what we can do to start is just key into the password vault hash with that service name. And then we can set it equal to uh, an empty hash. So in this situation, let's say we prompt the user to enter the name of the service and they enter AWS and hit enter. We're going to have the string of AWS. We're going to key into the pass, uh, password vault hash with that. That key does not exist. Um, and actually what we're doing here is we are going to assign that key to point to an empty hash. So we have a nested hash situation here. So it would be password vault is a hash that will have a top level key called AWS that will point to an empty hash right now. So, uh, for example, we can check this now. Let's go ahead and let's do a um, let's do a p call right here for password uh, vault, and then uh, let's just print that out and see what we get here. So let's go back to our terminal, 
and then let's run our program here we will sign in Colin at example.com password is ghostgate okay so we want to add a new service here so we're going to enter one now it's we get prompted to enter the name of the service and let's just say AWS and we hit enter right here now we see printed out uh, the result of our password vault uh, uh, constant here this right here so that constant remember we set it equal at the top of our file to an empty hash and then once we got input for the from the user for the name of the new service they want to add we set a top level key with that name and assign that to point to an empty hash so now <clears throat> what we would like to do is let's uh, let's get rid of this line here now we want to further prompt them to enter their username and password for this service so let's say um, print, uh, please enter the username for this new service. Okay, and then we'll end that with a colon and a space. So then we'll, uh, again, we wanna use gets and chomp together to wait to get that input from the user and remove the new line character. So let's say uh, new service username equals gets dot chomp. Okay. Okay. So now we'll get that. So now what we want to do is we want to then say we want to key into the password vault hash based off of the new service name. So in our case, over in the terminal there, we're going to use the AWS string that's going to return to us this hash right here. Okay. So now inside of that hash, we want to add a new key for username. So what we can do is inside here, we can open string username. Okay. And then what we can do is set that equal to the result of what the user gave us with new service username, just like that. So now let's go ahead and read, uh, write our password, uh, vault, our print statement for password vault here or a P statement for that. Let's save this file, go back to our terminal, clear this out. Let's run our program again. So let's see, colon at example.com, go skate password. Uh, we want to add a new service. Number one, that service is, service is going to be AWS. Please enter the username for this service. And let's just say uh, Colin, for example. And now we see when we enter that, we have assigned the value Colin to be pointed to by the username key inside the AWS hash. Okay, so the next thing we need to do in this part is we need to capture the password for this new service. So let's go ahead and do that now. Let's write a print statement here. Let's say, uh, please enter the password for this new service. Just like that. And then on the next line, we, uh, we just like before, let's do new service password right here. And then we want to set that equal to, you guessed it, the result of calling gets.chomp. Okay, so now that we have that, uh, let's give ourselves some space here so that we can kind of see the steps that we're taking here. So let's add a space here, and add a space here. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, I want to keep this one there. I meant to put that space here. So now what we want to do is similar to on line 39 right here, we want to do the same thing, but for a password this time. So we will say 
password vault. We want to key into that for the new service, which will be the string of AWS uh, in our example that we're working with in the terminal. That's going to return to us a hash. Now, what we want to do is we want to add a new key to that hash for password and assign it the value that we got and are storing in the new service password or referencing with the new service password local variable on the line above. So we'll open up another set of brackets here. We can do the string password just like this and we could pass the symbol here too. That would be fine. Um, so let's do that and let's assign this to new service password. Okay, great. Let's save our file here and then let's go back to our terminal and clear this and run our program one more time and see if this is working as we expect it to. So colin at example.com password go skate okay we would like to add a new add new service credentials uh, the service will be aws and then the username uh, we'll just say colin and then the password uh, let's just say asdf asdf we'll hit enter on that and we see now that we have successfully added a new service to our password vault hash that has or that uh, points to an, a hash itself uh, which contain the keys for username and password, both with the values that we entered over here on the command line. Okay, let's wrap this video up by filling out this uh, the code for this second uh, case here, this win2 um, selection is made. So uh, the unfortunate news I have for you is that with the current state of things, uh, when we run our program on the terminal and we select one to add a new service to our password vault, once our program exits, that information is gone. It is not saved anywhere. We're not connected. We're not writing that information to a file that we can retrieve it from later. We're not stored in a database. We're not storing it anywhere. So that information is gone uh, after our program is done. So in order to fill out this next example, we're going to have to go ahead and populate our password vault uh, at the top here with some default uh, credentials here. Now in the future, uh, I'd like to continue working on this project over uh, some more of the next lessons that we'll cover in this section of the learning path here to get it to the point to where we can write this information to the, a file and retrieve it later so that we can actually save this information uh, just to get practice with writing the files and creating programs. And I think this will be a good project for uh, to build upon or to iterate on and uh, make uh, a little bit cleaner with some things that we'll see and learn about in the future and just also uh, persist the, the information that we're getting from our users. But in any case, let's go ahead and get started on filling out this last section and ending out this video here. So first thing I wanna do is uh, this print or this P line right here uh, that we were using in the last section to print out the end result here. We don't need that anymore. Um, let's go ahead and get rid of this for now. And then let's go to the top of this file. And uh, inside this hash here, let's go ahead and, um, as we were doing in the uh, terminal, let's go ahead and add those same credentials in here so that we have something to work with here. So uh, now again, we could do AWS like this, right? And like do the hash rocket syntax and all this. Uh, we saw that in the last video, um, but I want to do I want to use symbols here so that we can see. Um, uh, some or retouch on some things uh, that we've seen in previous episodes and uh, maybe even some new ones. So 
Uh, let's do a key of AWS right here, and then we'll point that to a hash. And then inside that hash, we need a username key. And then let's set that equal to the value of uh, Colin. We'll do all lowercase there. And then we need a password key here. And then let's just do ASDF, ASDF, just like this. Um, now, some folks uh, can uh, like to have hashes like this uh, on multiple lines. Uh, you can do that here. You can leave it all on one line. Some people add a space here at the beginning before this key and at the end of the hashes and stuff. We're going to keep it simple for right now and just leave it like this. Um, so we have a starting point here. We have our top level hash, which is the reference by the password vault constant. Inside that hash, we have one top level key. Uh, that is the key of AWS. That points to a hash itself. And then inside that hash, we have two key value pairs, username that points to Colin, password that points to ASDF, ASDF. So uh, now with that, going back down here, we can start filling out our um, second, uh, or the, when the option is two here. So let's start off with a print statement and just uh, prompt the users uh, for please enter the name of the service you wish to access uh, credentials for. And just like that. And then <clears throat> uh, we will now again use gits.chomp to get input from that user. So we'll say, um, let's set that to a, a local variable called requested service. Okay, equals gits.chomp, just like that. Okay, so now we've got that. So now the next thing we need to do is we need to use this requested service uh, name that's being passed in from uh, or entered by the user on the command line. We need to use that to get that information out of the hash. Now, uh, what we need to be mindful of here is that in this hash, we set those keys this way. They're not string keys. They're more of the symbol keyword argument style, which we'll see about keyword arguments uh, in a, a later episode when we talk about methods. But it's more in that uh, syntax of um, setting up key value pairs. So what that means is that as we saw in the at the end of the hash video, if we try to use the string AWS to get the username and the password out of that password vault hash, it is not going to work because in that password vault hash, we do not have, oops, uh, we do not have a string for AWS. We have this symbol right here. So we would need a symbol. Uh, we would need to convert it, the input from the user to a symbol in order to look this up. So that's why I wrote this this way because I wanted us to see about uh, how we go about doing this conversion here. So with that, uh, back over here where we were doing our uh, initial work here, we have the requested service name right here. Um, and actually, let's go ahead and make it requested service name, uh, the name of the variable. It seems like a little bit of a more descriptive name. Uh, requested service name. So we want to use that now to take to key into the password vault um, hash here. So we have our password vault hash. We're going to open up some square brackets here, and then we're going to use requested service name to key into that. Now, remember, I just said a moment ago that this is going to be coming in as a string. So we need to convert this to a symbol. The way we do that is that Ruby has a two sim method uh, for strings here. So it'll take that string and convert it to a symbol. So we will it will go from, for example, uh, you know, from this, oops, foo to 
this for us. Ruby will take care of that um, by calling that method right here. So um, let's go ahead and uh, use P to print out the result of that call. And let's go back into our terminal here and see what we get when we do this. So back over in our terminal, let's clear all this out. Let's run our program again. Let's go ahead and uh, log in here. Colin at example.com. Okay, password is go skate. Okay, uh, I would like to retrieve an existing services credentials. So uh, let's enter two right here. Hit enter. Please enter the, oh, you probably caught that uh, when I was typing it out. Uh, I have the wrong prompt right here. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, exit the program. If you ever need to exit your program like this for any reason, you can hit uh, control C. So I'm going to leave that little uh, error in here so that we can fix this. So let's see, please enter the, we wanna change this to name of the service you wish to access credentials for. Okay, let's save this. Let's go back uh, over to our uh, terminal here and run our program again. So we'll log in, Colin at example.com, password go skate. Okay, what would you like to do? Two. Please enter the name of the service you wish to access credentials for. Perfect. So I'm going to type AWS here. And now when we do that, we see that we get back the hash containing the, um, the associated credentials for our AWS service. This is great. Now we could clean that up, the output up a little bit if we wanted to here. So we, what we could do is let's go uh, get rid of that P statement here. So we can, we can say, uh, let's see. Let's do credentials. Let's make a local variable credentials equals that. We'll assign that to uh, point to the result of this uh, bit of code here. Okay, so this credentials local variable will point to the hash of uh, the credentials for our AWS service. So right here. Okay, so now what we can do is we could take uh, credentials here and we could iterate through the key value pairs of uh, the credentials and show them in a nicely formatted way for the user. So to start, let's do this. Let's do, um, give myself uh, some space here so that we can easily see this uh, on a, you know, some line breaks here. Let's do a puts call and say here are the credentials for, and then let's go ahead and interpolate the requested service name. Okay, so here are the credentials for, in this case, it will be AWS. And then now what we can do is we can take our credentials and we can call our dot each method on it. Now, I think this uh, will only be the second time in this section that we've seen a block, uh, but that's okay. We'll have a whole section on it in the future, but I want to start introducing it more now so that you can start to get some more exposure to it. And we will do a do in style block here. So let's say do the keyword do. Now we need to open up some uh, vertical pipes, open and close them. That will be where we declare some block arguments. And then inside of the uh, vertical pipes, we can uh, define those block arguments. So we could say key val, we could say kv if you wanted to. I think it's a little more helpful to have some descriptive names, but they can be anything you want. Uh, so let's do key val, okay, just like that. And then we need to make sure that we end our uh, block uh, with the end keyword right here. So this end corresponds to this do that started the block. And now inside of here, now we can print out uh, the results to the user. So let's do puts, and then we could say, uh, do some interpolation here and say, 
key and then a space and then we'll interpolate val just like that all right so let's go ahead and save this file let's go back to our terminal clear this out and let's run our program one more time to end out this video and make sure everything works here so let's go ahead and log in colin.exam.com go skate okay and we want to retrieve credentials so let's enter number two it's going to prompt us uh, please enter the name of the service you wish to access credentials for we want AWS we'll hit enter on that and now we see a nicely formatted message sent back to us saying here are the credentials for AWS our username for that service is Colin our password for that service is ASDF ASDF so this is great this is uh, working out nicely okay so real quick I want to share a couple other things about conditionals so for this we're gonna not work in our program file that we've been working in. we're gonna hop into IRB here so let's say we have a local variable um, called number and let's set that equal to I don't know say five okay so one thing we can do is uh, we can do our if conditional so we can say if number uh, and then uh, integers have the method odd on there so we can do if odd puts oops uh, puts odd now we could just run this in this conditional right so we see that we get odd so this is just like we saw in our video here we also saw that we could do an else thing and or an else branch and then do uh, some other code and then say you know uh, something else and uh, since five is odd this will not run but we can set that up um, the other thing we can do is we can do another comparison check so we can combine these two keywords after the if branch here uh, in a keep with a keyword called else if now uh, the, so the way we would write that is let's do let's make number uh, an even number let's say number two and then let's say if number dot odd question mark we'll put odd and then what we can do is uh, else if just like this it's else if minus this last e and else uh, which is a little a little odd uh, I would say at first but you get used to it over time so here we can write another uh, uh, check um, like we did here but this time we can do number dot even like this puts even okay and then we can still put an else branch right here else puts uh, I don't know I don't know <laughs> for example oops I need to end off my string here and then let's end off our whole uh, if else else conditional here so if we run this code now we should hit our else if branch because we uh, assigned uh, the local variable number to the value of two so uh, if number dot odd this it, this um, check is going to evaluate to false here so this code will not execute else if number dot even this will return true so therefore this branch will execute so we should see puts even and then that will be the end of things so indeed we do see even return to us so that's uh else if uh, i just wanted to show you that so you can build out you know really long uh conditional checks here you could have as many else ifs as you want but you can only have one if uh clause so you can only write if once but you can have several else ifs and you can only do one else so something to be mindful of there
Okay, so let's uh, clear out our terminal here and let's look at our number variable here. So number points to two. So if we have a simple check that we want to do um, that can fit on one line, we can use something called a ternary operator instead of writing out, you know, a long form if do something else, do this uh, statement. Uh, so we can use the ternary operator like so. So for example, let's say um, we want to check if number is odd. If it's odd, we want to uh, return a string of odd. Otherwise, we want to return a string of even from it, right? So what we can do is we would say number dot odd, for example, question mark. That's the method, the full method. Then what we do is we to set up our ternary operators, we do a space after that uh, that um, expression to be evaluated. We put another question mark, and then we'll put a space. And then the first thing we'll do here is we'll write odd, okay? And then we'll do a space, put a colon, another space, and then we'll write our string of even. So what we're doing here is that this the code on the left side of this uh, colon here is what will be returned from this front part of this ternary operator if this expression is true. So if number.odd returns true, we're going to return this. Otherwise, if number.odd is false, we are going to return this, okay? So if we hit enter here, we see that what is returned to us is the string of even. So that's the ternary operator. I wanted to make sure to show you the uh, additional else if uh, clauses that we can use and this ternary operator. So the ternary operator, again, is really nice if you have a really simple check you want to do um, that kind of lines up with something you would normally do in an if-else uh, statement. So it's a much more compact syntax to write those simple conditional checks like that. So like I mentioned, uh, I think over the course of uh, some of these next few videos in this section, we'll come back, we'll clean up some of this code as we learn about new things and uh, hopefully keep enhancing this program. Uh, so that we can start persisting some credentials to files for us that we can retrieve at a later time when we come back and run our program. So with that, we'll end uh, this little introduction to control flow here. Um, I would suggest to, uh, you know, if you have some free time, try to uh, maybe recreate this program uh, yourself from scratch without looking at the code. See how far you can get. Maybe... Um, have it open in a different window or off to the side or minimized that, so that you can reference it again easily if you get stuck. But uh, I would definitely say to try um, to build either this program again or something similar um, on your own and start trying to get a lot of these commands and like kind of the thought process into uh, both your fingers and in your mind and uh, see what kind of fun programs you can create. Also, if you create a program uh, separate from this, make sure to uh, you know share it with, with us. I'd love to see what you do on your own if it's not doing this from scratch, you know? Um, the more things you build on your own, the faster you'll pick this stuff up. So with that, I'll leave it here and I will see you in the next video.